But we have been doing this for the last month and a half, believe it or not. Just crazy. All this Star Wars stuff. And, uh, and so today we're continuing that. But before we get into all that again, uh, I just want to say one more time, Happy Mother's Day to you. Uh, we're excited and glad that you're here to celebrate with us. So th- thank you for taking some time out to do that. Um, and uh, for those of you who are here for the very first time, I know I met several of you for the very, you're very, here for the very first time, first time guests today. Uh, we want you to know a couple of things. One, we want to say thank you for you coming to check us out. This is, it's no small thing to kind of give up a Sunday morning or a little while on a Sunday morning, come and check out a new place, check out a new group of people. And so we want to say thank you for doing that. Thanks for checking us out. And then the second thing that we want you to know is really important to us, really important. This is why we do connect cards. This is why we do all the things. This is a safe place for you. No matter where you're at with God, maybe you've been walking with God, with Jesus for a long time, maybe you're just started, or maybe you're just not even sure that you believe in God. No matter where you're at on that spectrum, anywhere on that spectrum, we want you to know this is a safe place for you, and we're just glad that you're here. We really, really are. We mean that, and we invite questions uh, for that, and we are, this is what we're trying to do is, is really look what it really learn what it means to, to follow in Christ's footsteps and, and to really be like him. Um, so today we are continuing our Star Wars series called True Power. And today it's all about listening to the master, how to recognize God's voice. Have you ever gotten an idea or a thought or an impression or a plan in your head and, and you wondered where did that come from? Where did that idea come from? Where did that thought come from? Where did, where did I get this idea of what I'm supposed to be, of what I'm supposed to do, of what, you know, all the different things? Have you ever wondered where those things come from? Well, obviously they come from a lot of different places, don't they? A lot of different voices that speak into us. It could come from the news. It could come from our friends. It could come from ourselves. It could come from Satan. It could come from a lot of different ways. And so today what we're going to focus on is... How do we recognize what is really God's voice and what is just something else? How do we recognize, how do we know that our ideas, our thoughts are from God or not? How do we know that? How do we recognize that? So today we're going to talk about this. In 1 John 4.1, this is what it says. It says, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit or speak by God. You must test them. To see if the spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. So what, what is this really saying? This is really saying there are a ton of different inputs and voices and ideas and thoughts and things that come from us from a hundred different angles. We, we get things come and bombard us from everywhere, all across the board. And what this is saying, this scripture is saying is you need to test it. You guys know you've heard me say it here at Northridge many times. Don't take my word for it. When I, when I, even when I give a message and things like that, I've prayed over it. I've, I've looked at it. I've studied God's word. I do the best that I possibly can, but I am simply a human being. You guys, you guys can tell that, right? <laughs> Some of you who know me well, you know that's true. <laughs> I am just a human being. Don't take my word for it because you should test everything. You should test me. You should test your friends. You should test everybody. That, mean, that doesn't mean that you're like, okay, I have a quiz for you. 
All right? That's not what it means. It means that you filter it through what you know, and there's, there's several things. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to give you the test. You know when the teacher would give you a test and you're like, man, I'd just love to know what's going to be on the test. I'm going to give you the test this morning. I'm going to tell you what the questions are that you can ask that will help you determine whether or not an idea, a thought, a plan, a career path, whatever, plug it in, everything, every decision we have to make where you can help yourself to recognize, is this God's voice or not? And so really what we're going to do is we're going to go through seven questions, seven tests, if you will, seven tests that you can kind of filter through your brain, through your mind, through your soul to really determine and recognize whether or not this is God's voice. Um, and, and as we've said before, uh, there's, a, there's a guy named Pastor Rick Warren who talks about how to hear God a lot. If you want to learn about how to hear God's voice, he talks about this stuff a lot. And he talks and some of these ideas come from him. So just know that you're going to hear some of those stories, too. But let's jump in. So we're going to talk about seven tests. I encourage you to get these down because one of the top questions I get, the first top question is, where do I start reading the Bible? If I want to start reading the Bible, where do I start? That's number one question. But the second question is, almost all the time, is how do I know what God wants me to do? I get that all the time. It's not necessarily asked that way all the time, but I get that question all the time. And so today... This is a way that you can kind of determine what that would look like. All right. So seven questions. The first one is this. Does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with God's word? Okay. Now, no matter what the thought is, no matter what the plan is, no matter what the career path is, no matter what it is that you think would be good to do. Always, if you want to know it's from God, the first thing you do is you check it against this, against God's word. Because no matter what the idea is, no matter what the thought, everything, it will never contradict God's word. Why do we know that? How do we know that? Because this is declared as the truth. That God's word is declared as the truth. And did you know the truth never changes? Did you know that? The truth never changes. Regardless of what our culture says, the truth never changes. For example... Uh, I don't know if you remember this from history class. Some of you say, oh, here we go again. <laughs> He's getting into history. If you remember from history class, there was, a, there was a long time when everybody on the earth believed the earth was flat. You remember this? There was a long time that human beings all thought the world was flat. Well, then a few hundred years ago, humanity, we discovered, oh, well, guess what? It's not flat. It's round. And, and we're like, wow. And then a little later, we proved it. Yeah, guess what? We thought it was round. Guess what? It is round. What do you know? And then NASA came along. You know, we got into space. We're like, hey, it looks round. What do you know? I mean, all this kind of stuff. Well, the truth is the world has always been round, hasn't it? What changed? The truth didn't change. The truth was always there. The world has always been round. The truth never changed. Our perception changed, didn't it? And so sometimes we think truth changes. It doesn't. Our view of truth does. And so when we want to check whether or not a voice, an idea is coming from God, the first thing we do is we check it against the truth. The truth. So if you get this idea, for example, uh, that you think maybe it's from God, maybe it's not, but you're not sure, but you get this idea that this week you want to stop paying taxes. There's some other reasons why this is a bad idea. 
we won't get into those today. But let's just say you got that idea that you need to stop paying taxes. Well, I can tell you that that's not God's voice. That is absolutely not an idea that originated from God. How do I know that? Because God declares that we are to pay taxes in his word. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. He didn't say give to the U.S. government what is the U.S. government's, but that's what he was saying. So we know that that's not from God because it contradicts his word. If you get an idea that you can make a little bit of extra money in your business that you own simply by bending some laws and some rules a little bit, I can tell you that's not God's voice. It might be yours. It might be a friend. It might be Satan. It is not God's. How do I know that? Because God makes it very clear honesty is how we live. If it contradicts his word, it's not God's voice. Let me tell you what Galatians 1.8 says. You're going to get a lot of scripture today. Did you notice that on your handout? There's a list there. <laughs> it's a lot. Galatians 1.8 says this. Let God's curse, it's not a good thing, fall on anyone, including us, all people, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news, or in other words, different than what the Bible says, than the one we preached to you. In other words, if anything goes against the Bible, even if it's an angel, you run. You don't believe it because it is not God. It is something else. And so this is a big one. So ask yourself, does it agree with God's word? Does it agree with the Bible? All right. Second test. We need to keep moving because we got seven of these things. Does it agree with the Bible? Second one is, does it make me more like Jesus? When you look into the Bible, the, if I were to sum up the whole of God's word, if, and some of you are going to love this. You're like, hey, then now I don't have to read it. No, no, no. <laughs> but let me give you the summary. The summary essentially is this. This whole book is helping you to do what this question is saying. It's helping you to be more like Jesus. If I were to sum everything up in here, it's helping you to be more like Christ. So if you get an idea, a thought or anything else, if it's from God, it's going to help you and help other people become more like Jesus. It's just the way it is. It can't be otherwise. So does it make me more like Jesus? Remember those WWJD things? They're kind of passe now. But what would Jesus do? That's a good question. I don't know if we need to put it on T-shirts and on bracelets and all that, but it's a great question. What would Jesus want me to do? How can I be more like Christ? In fact, Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is writing about what we need to do as Christ followers. And he says this. He kind of has a summation statement. He says, you or all followers of Christ must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. In other words, we need to think like Jesus. We need to live like Jesus did. All those kind of things. We need to really try to put our filter, our, our lives in line with who Jesus is. But let me give you a little bit more detail. I'm going to give you, uh, I, would, I, I would encourage you to circle this next one. James chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to read them in just a minute. But I, I would highly encourage you to kind of learn this one. This next passage is powerful. It will help you in decision making like maybe no other verse. There's a lot of other passages that would help. But this is a big one. Let me read it for you. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It doesn't come from God. It's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Did you know that if we listen to thoughts that are not from God, it's demonic? That is really putting a serious spin on not listening to God's voice. 
For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Now, verse 17, I want you to take note of this. I would highly encourage you to get these words, put them somewhere, start learning them, memorize them. But the wisdom that comes from heaven or comes from God is, first of all, pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Anybody want that kind of advice? Basically advice that's perfect, that literally is never wrong, not ever. It's never a mistake. That's the kind of wisdom that comes from God, the thoughts and ideas that we can get from God. This is a powerful thing. Actually, this verse, Laura and I, we have, not not by my doing, my wife is really good. She has this one up on our, our bathroom mirror. So I've been looking at this verse for the last several months. It's an amazing one. This verse 17. This is the wisdom of God. And so we can ask ourselves, if we get a thought, if we get an idea, does it make you more like Christ? Will it make you more like Christ? If it doesn't, there's a real good possibility that didn't come from God because if it doesn't make you more like Christ, God wouldn't have given it to you. It's maybe something that you've come up with. All right, third test. We've got to keep moving. Seven of these things. Does my church family confirm it? Now, I have to explain all this a little bit. That's kind of a weird one for a lot of people, and I get it. But there's a couple of points here. If you get an idea, if God imparts an idea to you, this might be a new thing to you, but, but if God imparts an idea or a thought or a plan or something to you, did you know that God, it's very possible for God, he's fairly capable of things. He can actually reveal to other people too. <laughs> now, I know I, there's sometimes that I feel like, you know, I'm the only one in the room that knows something, right? Have you ever done that? Like, kind of been there like, I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that is good at this. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever had that thought. Maybe I'm showing my cards. But, then, you know, you think, man, I think, I think, I think I'm pretty good here. I think I, can, I know how to do this. Do you realize God, when he reveals something to you and you know something, there's a really good possibility he's revealed it to somebody else as well. You're not just on an island by yourself with that. Sometimes is it true that he reveals it to one person? Yes, but most of the time not. And so this is one of those times when, when God reveals something to you, you, it's really good for you to confirm it with people who are followers of Christ or even more mature followers of Christ that have been walking with God for longer than you. For example, when I have a really tough decision to make, sometimes I do this with smaller decisions, but especially with big ones, I almost always, if I can, I go to somebody else who's been walking with God a lot longer than I have, and I ask them about it. Because they've been through a lot more stuff than I have. And they're going to give me a little bit better filter. And I say, well, I've done the first test. It agrees with the Bible. The second test, yeah, I think it would make me more like Christ. But then I'm going to check it with somebody who really has been walking with God. And so they can give me true, honest wisdom on this. Does my church family confirm it? So let me, uh, let me just give you a story that kind of illustrates this. Uh, when Laura and I felt God's call, God's sense that we were supposed to move from North Dakota to Dane County to start a new church. You guys have heard some of this story. We got this sense, we got this call from God that we were to move here. We didn't know it was Wanakee. We didn't know the name was Northridge. We didn't know, we, we didn't know anything, <laughs> to be honest. Some of you say, yeah, I, you obviously didn't know anything. You guys know that well now. We didn't know anything. We moved here just knowing that God wanted us to start a new church in Dane County. Literally, that's what we knew. 
And so part of the process, though, of us being able to come and, and, and start a brand new church was that we had to agree. Uh, and, you know, they didn't force us on us, but they said, you, we really strongly, you need to do this. And they said, you need to go through something called assessment. And what it was is three straight days of intense interviews, counseling, and grilling uh, of this thing. And I, I don't know, I probably won't share that about Laura because that, it was a really stressful and intense time. But it was one of those things, if you think of like a job interview, you know, like a one or two hour job interview that's really intense and you're just, they're just pounding you with stuff that you're just, oh, I hope I'm answering right. It was three straight days of that. And there was at one point where they put you up front and they allow the panel of people that are there to ask you any question they want. Anything's on the table. And it was one of those kind of things where you're just like, I mean, I just, it was, it was the most stressful thing I've ever been through, to be honest. But the whole point of it was that this group of people that were part, church leaders all over the country, and th- these are people that we didn't know, they were all over the country, and, and they came together, and they were there to either confirm and affirm what God had said to us or not. There was a real possibility they'd say no. And, and thankfully, we got through that by the grace of God. But that was, the whole point of that was to make sure, okay, we've heard from God. We believe that God is saying this. But we need to know if other church leaders, if other people who are walking with God, confirm and affirm that. In other words, what we're saying is, God, we trust that you've said this. But we're going to trust that you also let other people in on that plan. If that makes sense. And by the way, that still continues to this day. That was years ago. Northridge Church is not, not even quite four years old yet, but, but that can still continue to this day. Do you know I hear people walk in and they say, I don't know why I'm here, but I know I'm supposed to be. I've had people say that on Sunday mornings. I'm not sure why I'm here, but I just felt I needed to be here. And I say, I remember that. <laughs> I remember when more and I felt that way. And it's because God continues to work. So does it does the church family confirm it? Do other mature believers in Christ confirm what you're saying? Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. In other words, seek advice, not just from anybody, but from people who have been there, done that, who are walking with Christ and know what it means. All right, fourth test. Moving on. Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Now, Again, some of these questions are going to seem weird until we explain them, but this is, this is, uh, these are honest tests that you can do. Is it consistent with how God shaped me? Ephesians 2 says, 2.10 says this, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Did you notice what God calls us? We are His masterpiece. Do you know what the original Greek word is that we translate into masterpiece? It's the Greek word poema. Poema. If you know, if you know right away, I, hear, I say that, what, what, what a word does that sound like? It sounds like the word poem, doesn't it? That's where we get the word poem. It literally translates to something made or created, but it literally translates out to something that is beautiful, valuable, made, that is created to be amazing. We are God's poem. We are God's masterpiece. We are a work of art. We are incredibly unique. We are incredibly valuable. Okay? Just a quick question. Do you feel valuable this morning? Do you feel like a work of art? Let me just tell you, I'm pretty sure in here, there are a lot of you in here that don't feel that way. 
on a regular basis. Maybe you feel better today. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But some of you, you never feel like a work of art. You never have. Let me tell you, that is not God's voice. That is your own or Satan's or your friends or parents who spoke unworth into you, whatever it is, but that's not God's voice. God's voice says, I created you. You are a poema. You are a masterpiece. You are a work of art. You are unique. You are uniquely shaped to do amazing things. And that's what God says. It's the truth. Absolutely. It has never changed. It will never change. So, but if you think about this, everything that has a shape, anything that has a shape, it's shaped for a specific purpose, a specific reason, isn't it? Okay, I'm not going to hold it up for fear. I might mess it up, but you, you see a guitar. Actually, I'm going to. Sorry, Joel. I apologize now. Okay, if you look at a guitar, it has a very interesting, very strange, very unique shape. Why? Because it's built for a very specific reason, isn't it? Now, some of us, we might go around and we might say, hey, I'm going to try to uh, paddle a canoe with that thing. That'd be a really dumb idea. Why? Because it's not shaped to do that. It's not made to paddle a canoe. By the way, could you do it? Yes, you could. But there's two things that are going to happen. It's going to be really, really hard. <laughs> Can you imagine with a guitar? You're <laughs> just doing this thing. By the way, it's going to fill up with water. <laughs> it's got a hole in it. Okay? It's just going to drag you down. But two, it's going to ruin the guitar. Isn't it? Because it's not shaped to paddle a canoe. Same way, like, if you have a hammer and you're trying to eat soup with a hammer. I had that mental picture several times this week. I was just like, that's just dumb. I don't know, that, I'm not sure if that was a thought from God this week for me, but I'm like, you know, I'm just going to run with it. <laughs> I mean, if you try to eat soup with well, a, a hammer's built to do what? To pound nails, to create things. It's, it's made to make stuff. It's not made to eat soup with. Here's the truth, though. A lot of us, God made us like a guitar, and we're going through life and we're paddling a canoe. And we wonder why we struggle so much. Some of us, God made us a hammer so that we could build and create amazing things, and we're trying to eat soup with it. And God says, you are a work of art. You were created for a very specific and beautiful and amazing reason and purpose. And so when we get these thoughts and ideas, we need to ask ourselves, is it consistent with how God made me, how he shaped me to be? For example, you guys know this because I've said this so often, but if I get this idea that I need to quit being a pastor and I need to go be an auto mechanic, somebody hit me in the face. Because not only am I going to fail miserably and we're going to be on the street in a minute, but the second thing is I'm going to do a lot of bad for a lot of people because <laughs> I am not going to know how to fix your car. Mechanical things are not my deal. I'm not shaped to do it. I'm just not. And that's okay. God created us with incredible gifts and abilities. Romans 12 says this, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You know what that tells you? It means you can do things better than most other people in certain areas. You know what it also says? There are some things that you're never going to be able to do well. It means both. You're going to do some things that are great because God shaped you to do it, and there's some things that you're never going to be good at, so don't try. So when you have those thoughts... Is it how God shaped me, made me to be? It's a good question to, to filter it through. All right, fifth test. 
does this idea, does this plan, does it concern my responsibility? Oh, this is a hard one for some of us. (laughs) Does it concern me or am I just meddling? (laughs) Is it me or am I meddling? Is it it for my responsibility? Is is God giving this to me so that I, uh, so I can take care of it? Does it deal with me or is it, if I'm, am I just meddling? To give you an example of this, in, uh, in the book of John, there's this interesting interaction between Jesus and Peter. They're having a conversation. And, and, and Jesus, it's a very serious conversation because Jesus has just revealed to Peter. And he said, Peter, you are an amazing man. You are blessed. You are following me to an amazing degree. And because of that, I know that you're not necessarily going to like this, but you're going you're gonna to be a martyr for me. You're going to suffer and die for me. And it's because you're going to have the greatest faithfulness that I've seen in a long time. He says, you are faithful to me. And as a result, you're going to suffer and die for me. (laughs) Well, Peter has a little bit of a weak moment, a thought that doesn't come from God. And right away, he asks Jesus, he says, well, I don't know if I like that. And he turns and he says, well, what about John over there? What about that disciple over there? What about John? What's going to happen to him? In other words, Peter starts meddling in other people's business. And I want you to hear Jesus' response. It's pretty hammer is what it is. John chapter 21, verse 22. This is what Jesus says to Peter. If I want him to remain alive, John to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? In other words, he's saying, that's none of your business, Peter. (laughs) Stop asking about him. Just worry. And then he tells him what his business is. And he says, As for you, what does he say? Follow me. Jesus says, Peter, don't worry about everybody else. You make sure that you are faithful. You follow me to the nth degree, just like you're doing now. Stop asking questions about the other disciples. Don't worry about them. I'll take care of them, is what Jesus is saying. Don't worry about it. I need you to worry about following me to the highest degree that you possibly can. That's what you need to be worried about. So a couple of things about this. If God reveals, and this is really important stuff because I see that this goes awry a lot. If God reveals to you something about somebody else, and just a side note, if God reveals this to you about somebody else and you think it came from God, it didn't. That's called gossip. <laughs> if somebody tells you something about somebody else and, they, and God told them and That's just spiritual gossip. That's what that is. Okay? I'm saying if God reveals something directly to you and you know something about somebody else, simply you don't even know how you know. You didn't hear it from somebody else, but God reveals it to you. Some of you, you've maybe never experienced this. Some of you, you have. Let me tell you a couple reasons of probably why God did that. He didn't want you to run to that person and say, hey, guess what? What I found out about you, God told me. Instead of that, probably the two things that God wants you to do is he wants you to pray for them. Whether it's good or bad or whatever it is, it could be good things. In fact, I've had people tell me good things that, I, that God had told me and, and were good things and confirming and that. All, that's really good. And the second reason is what I just said. You might need to pray for them, but you also might be there to confirm and affirm it. Do you realize that when Laura and I went through that assessment story earlier, when we went through assessment to plant a church, those people already knew from God and when they debated on that and they talked about who's going to be, who do we agree that this is working for? God has called them. God imparted to them and let them know what decision they should make. So we can pray for them, but we're also there to confirm and affirm it. 
Uh, Pastor Rick Warren tells a funny story on this. Um, apparently, anyway, of course, we don't, we don't know how this all worked out, but apparently before he ever started dating who his wife now is, Kay, his, his wife's name is Kay, before he ever started dating her, God told him that he was going to marry her. She was dating somebody else at the time. And Rick Warren talks about how he did not immediately, as soon as God, you know, he, he felt this, got this sense from God that he was going to marry Kay. When, as soon as he got that, he did not run to her and say, hey, guess what? God told me, you and I, we're going to get married. <clears throat> how do we think that would have gone? <laughs> If he would have done that, he didn't do that. He just filed it away in the back of his mind, in the back of his heart. And he realized, okay, God, that's pretty awesome. Okay, I'm good with it. And he was praying with a friend one day, a few months later, and his friend, all of a sudden, they prayed together every morning. And, and his friend, all of a sudden, right in the middle of their prayer time, he looked up and he said, Rick, I've got this weird thing. God's just kind of giving me the sense that you're going to marry that girl, Kay. You know that girl, Kay? And Rick said, yeah, God told me that months ago. Just keep praying. <laughs> And then, and then a few months later, then eventually then he and Kay did start dating. They got engaged and they got married. Notice that Rick didn't say, oh, awesome, thank you, God. And then he started putting the plan into action. He just said, okay, God, cool. And it all worked out. And one of those things is that you can go along and you kind of think of where God is. If he reveals something to you, you need to understand that it's probably there for you to continue to rest on and to pray about, but not necessarily to start throwing it out there to everybody. All right, sixth test. Last two, these last two are really big ones. Is it convicting rather than condemning? Is it convicting rather than condemning? Uh, let, me, let me just give you a couple of ideas on this because we get these words flip-flopped. We mix them, we turn them backwards and forwards all the time. Okay, conviction comes from God condemnation comes from Satan, comes from the devil. Okay, does that make sense? Conviction always comes from God. Condemnation or being condemned always comes from Satan, comes from the devil. So one way or the other. So just to kind of give you this, Romans 8.1, I've shared this verse so many times, but it's an important promise to rest on. It says, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who belong. If you belong to Jesus, you are forgiven for your sins. So to give you an idea of how this works, condemnation is, is like a dark cloud that sits on you, okay? So just to help you know, maybe you say, well, am I convicted or am I condemned? To help you understand this, condemnation is like a big dark cloud. It just sits on you. It makes you feel unworthy. It makes you feel worthless. It makes you feel like you're a horrible person. It makes you feel angry. It makes you feel bitter. It just makes you just, it's just this nebulous. It's not specific. It's just kind of this that sits on you. Okay, that's condemnation. It comes from Satan. Conviction is completely different. But condemnation is this big dark cloud. Revelation 12.10 says this about Satan says, Satan is the one who accuses them, accuses people before our God day and night. Satan is the accuser. He's going to accuse you constantly. Because if he can get you worried about yourself, you're not going to be worried about God. Does that make sense? If he can get you worried about yourself and thinking you're a horrible person and, oh, woe is me. And, oh, I'm a worthless person. Oh, I'm never going to be good enough for God. If, if Satan can get you thinking about that, then you're never going to think about God. 
That's condemnation. Conviction is completely different. Conviction is, it's very specific. It's a pinpoint of light. It's like a laser beam. And it's going to hit you right on a spot where it's uncomfortable and you do not like it. You know when it's something that, like if you're laying in bed or if you're anywhere and there's something or there's a rock in your shoe and you know, it's, and you know where it's at because you can feel it? It's right there. It's pin, that's what conviction is. Conviction is pinpoint, like right accuracy. You know exactly what the sin is. You know exactly what it is that God wants you to do. And, and, and you, just, you can either run to it or you can run away from it. And that's conviction. That comes from God. Because he's very clear about what he wants for us. Revelation 3.19 says this. And this is actually God speaking directly to us. This is one of those few times where it's God saying this to us directly. He says, God says, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. In other words, God's going to make it clear. He's not going to be vague. He's not going to just make you feel unworthy. If you feel, let me, let me just tell you this. If you feel unworthy, it's because you're allowing Satan to accuse you constantly. If you feel convicted, if you feel like you're not doing what God wants you to do, you know exactly what it is. You know what that is? That's conviction from God. And why is God doing that to you? Because he loves you. And he's going to correct and discipline you. He says, I promise you, you can expect it from God that he's going to convict you on that. All right, last test. Do I sense God's peace about it? Do I sense God's peace about it? Basically, if you have a choice or a plan or a thought or, or a career path or whatever else is, it is in mind, if you kind of think about this, if you are, okay, let's just say that you have made a choice. You've made a decision. And you still, after you've made that decision, you feel a ton of pressure. You feel overwhelmed. You feel confused. You feel conflicted. You feel, you know, you just don't feel right about that. And you've maybe already made that decision. Or maybe you have to make a decision. You just don't know which way to go. You're just totally unsure. Let me just tell you that those feelings, those thoughts, those ideas are not from God. Because God is clear. God is is not vague and confusing. He doesn't try to confuse us. Okay? In fact, uh, let me read 1 Corinthians 14, 13. It says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He's not a God of disorder. He's one of peace. God is not trying to confuse us. Okay? It's, uh, I, 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 maybe I can use uh, this illustration. If you want your kids to succeed at something... Um, let's say, for example, I, this is going into my illustration, my life mode. But if we want our kids to clean their room, we don't just go say, hey, go clean a room somewhere. Just go somewhere and do something. And then afterwards we go, why didn't you clean your room? Well, because it was vague. We had no idea what we were supposed to do. It was just weird. We just knew you were upset about something, but we didn't know what. That's not God. God will say, this is the place. Go to your room. In fact, the part of your room that you need to clean up is that part, that corner right there. Very pinpoint accurate. And once you do, guess what? Once you tackle that part of your room, that part of your life, so to speak, you're going to feel peace about it. If you don't feel peace about it, 
then it's because it either didn't come from God or there's something else there that God has asked you to do and you're running from it. And you said, I'm not doing it. So why is that pressure there? Why is that confusion there? You need to ask yourself that question. So the question this morning is very simple. I gave you seven tests, seven questions. And yes, they're hard to answer sometimes. I understand that. But the question really does come down to whose voice are you listening to? Because what I find the strongest voice in everybody is ourselves first. Our family and friends second. Our culture. And of course, they don't always flow in this order. And then God is somewhere in there. But is like last or way below something else. And so the question is, whose voice are you listening to the loudest? Are you able to recognize it? And if not, if it's just a confusion thing, then filter through some of these questions, some of these tests, and God will allow you to see what you need to see, and he will make it clear for you, to you. Let's pray. God, for those, anybody that's in here on this Mother's Day who, who feels condemned, who feels unworthy, who feels, you know, anything that's not from you, God, I pray that you would help them to realize that it's not from you and that it's from themselves. It's maybe what they've been told by their parents. God, I pray that you would, um, I pray that you would help us to really truly filter through the decisions, the things that we decide to do, the things that we think are right. And may we filter that through your voice, your word. Because we can avoid a lot of problems, a lot of troubles by simply filtering it through these tests and and really trying to seek, okay, is this really from God or is this just me? Is this just me trying to make it happen? Is this me just trying to, to work things out? And if it is, and if I feel condemned for it or if it's not going well, Maybe it's not because, maybe it's because it's not how you shaped me to be, or maybe it's because it doesn't agree with God's word, or whatever the case is. But these, these tests, we need to filter them through so that we can have that life that's full of joy and peace and grace and amazing things. So God, just help us, guide us and direct us. And we pray all of these things, we ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead.